Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning. It is National Championship Monday. I was going to say Sunday, but it is Monday. And we got Georgia. We got TCU. We got Jeff Pro Records, who has been on fire to tell us how to gamble while we do it. That's coming up at 1045. Tommy Lauren is my hero. Why? Because Tommy Lauren got censored on Twitter by the White House. She joins us. Tommy, she of the spectacular Tommy Lawrence show. Our friend Chad Withrow is going to join, talk about all things NFL. And, of course, we're going to talk to our friend Mike Griffins from Dog Nation. He's going to break down the dogs and the horned frogs coming up. But first, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe in God, good for you. That's on you. I do. I basically spent Saturday driving to Evansville as a passenger tweeting about let's put prayer in schools, which I don't necessarily believe, if we're going to go to prayer all the time. Like as soon as DeMar Hamlin got hurt, everybody prayed. Dan Orvlowski contrived on national TV, I'm going to pray. Everybody prayed. Well, if that's how we feel, and that's what I do, when things go bad in my life, I immediately pray. I believe in the power of prayer. And if you don't believe in the power of prayer, that's your choice. I do. I wish you would. And I wish we would replace pedophiles and drag shows and groomers in our school with prayer. But I digress. If even the most, the most agnostic or atheist person has to at least... Think about the song, Things That Make You Go, Hmm, when this kickoff return happened yesterday to start the Bills game. Five degrees here this afternoon as Folk puts his foot into the ball. It's going to be short. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Run, run as fast as you can. You're not catching Hines. He's your end zone man. Buffalo on the board with the first play from scrimmage. Now, I got goosebumps. I'll show them to you. Look, I believe in God. I believe in the Father, the Holy Spirit. I believe in the whole thing. I do. You don't? That's fine. I do. Even the most agnostic person, atheist person has got to go, wow. Uh, Josh Allen spoke about it. Let's hear from Josh Allen. Josh, where do you rank that opening kickoff in terms of football memories? I can't remember a play that touched me like that. I don't think in my life. So it's it's probably number one. It, it, it was it was just spiritual, and I just I was going around and. Just something I was going around my team and saying, God's real. Like, you can't, you can't draw that one up, write that one up any better. Um, and I, I was just told by Kevin Curran, it's been three years and three months. 
since the last kickoff return. So it's pretty cool. How about that? I got goosebumps on that too. I do. I, 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 I am one of those people, and maybe this makes me a bad guy, but I'm one of those people that I run right to God when things go bad. I do. I wish that I was one of those that was all day with God. I have my own relationship with God. You have yours. But even people, I'm telling you, even somebody that says, ah, there's no God. I had some guy named Beck on Twitter who always comes at me say, oh, it's a fairy tale. It may be to you, but it isn't to me. And I wish you'd at least examined some of the great things that happen on this earth. That gave me goosebumps. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the play of the decade. I don't care. That's the play of the decade. I'm going to tell you something that is the absolute biggest punk move in the on-field history of the NFL. Now, we can't show it to you. Look on my Twitter. If you're following me on Twitter, you can see it on my Twitter. But yesterday, the Green Bay Packers showed their backside. The Green Bay Packers, there is a problem. Medical personnel have to run out onto the field. A medical personnel guy for the Detroit Lions wants to clear players out. He kind of pushes sideways this guy Quad Walker, Quay Walker, who is, by all accounts, a complete idiot. He's already been thrown out of one game. Quay Walker then decides it's a good move to shove from behind because that's what all these gutsy guys do. They shove little guys from behind who's a medical staff, the guy turns around and then the big fat guy comes. A big fat idiot named Devontae Wyatt. He does big fat guy stuff. If you've ever been in a bar fight, big fat guy always comes over and he just kind of bumps around. So big fat Devontae Wyatt comes. And if you're offended by me calling him big and fat, I'm offended by him bumping into the trainer. So we're even. Get over yourself. So this idiot comes over. And he bumps into the training staff as well. But he does it like big fat guy does. Kind of stupid. Now, I don't know how Devontae Wyatt didn't get ejected. Mike Tirico was going to go in on it, but they moved along. Not Mike's fault. Um, One of the things that drives me nuts about announcers is that they can't see things. There's no announcer in the history of announcing that sees things better than me. And every guy I ever worked with, including Tariko, will tell you that I see things nobody did. And I saw that bump immediately. I'm screaming. But Devontae White and Quay Walker, if you want to see something childish, watch this Quay Walker going to the locker room. Watch him going to the locker room. You can't act like a bigger child. Tony Junji says all the time, we need adult men in our young men's life. Boy, do we ever. And make no mistake, make no mistake at all. These guys that play football, there ain't nothing to them. There is nothing to most of them. I mean, that's not fair, but there's nothing to Kwai Walker. Let me back up. There's nothing to Kwai Walker. There's nothing. He's been thrown out twice. He walks back down the tunnel and he acts like a little batch. There's nothing to fat-ass Devontae Wyatt. The guy he bumped into was this tall. Now, had the guy been African-American, who knows what we would be saying today and the guys being what? We don't know. But they're not. Yeah, we got to look at it like this. 
we got two idiots that bump into a medical personnel. They both should be ejected. One was. They both, ladies and gentlemen, should be ejected to start the year next year for at least five games. I don't care. If anybody on the field should be protected, it is medical personnel. Period. I don't care if you're big. I don't care if you're little. I don't care if you got a bag. I don't care if you're running out there like this guy was. I don't care. I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're green. I don't care. I don't care if you're a doctor or an orthopedic surgeon. I don't care. Medical staff have to be protected on the field. And these two idiots are too stupid to play in the NFL. They're too stupid to represent a city. They're too stupid to participate at this point in their lives. They're too stupid. When you go at medical personnel, think of how stupid you are. That's like the idiots that try to stop cops from getting to break-ins or robberies. Uh, There's idiots out here, and you saw two of them on the field, and then you saw one, this Kwai Walker, go off the field. Look it up. It's on my Twitter here. You'll see this idiot go off the field looking like he's a six-year-old. Looking like an effeminate six-year-old. And I got to tell you, we need more men in this world. Tony Dungy says it all the time, and the idiots on the left criticize him. I'll say it. We need more men. You need to read the book Wild at Heart. It allows men to be men. It allows men to grab a guy by the shirt and say, look, you idiot, did you see Matt LaFleur? Be smart. Be smart. No, idiot. Get his ass out of the game, but you're too soft as a coach because everybody's too soft as a coach. Be smart. This is the second time this idiot has been thrown out of a game. And Matt LaFleur, be smart. Yeah? Okay, Matt LaFleur. That's what we got coaching. That's what we got coaching. Matt LaFleur's. Be smart. The dude just knocked or pushed. Excuse me. I want to be accurate here. He just pushed a medical personnel. He just did. Be smart. No. You. Out. You get in there for that idiot. You fat ass. Wyatt. Out. You get in. But. 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 Matt LaFleur doesn't know to do that. Because guys like Matt LaFleur or Mike McDonald, they don't know to do that. They don't know. They know, oh, my God, analytics, and we're going to go to the pro golf, and we're going to hit balls, and I'm going to wear my tight pants, and that's what they are about. We don't have men coaching men, even in the NFL. Be smart. Shut up. God dang. He let that 95 stay in the game. I got to tell you. I did not care even a little bit whether the Packers got in. In fact, I kind of wanted the Packers to get in. And then I watched that. Be smart. And I said to myself, get out of here. All right, let's talk NFL. Um, We already talked Bills, Patriots, Texans, Colts. Good for the Colts. Can we eliminate here in Indianapolis? Can we get Jeff Saturday's ass back to Mike Greenberg's show where he jumps around like an idiot and talks about pancakes? Him and one of the other idiot, whoever's on it. Can we get Jeff Saturday the hell out of Indy? Can we just go, look, you're great. You're in the ring of honor. Yay, rock, go fight, win. Can you go? Can Chris Ballard just get out of here? Can Ed Dobbs and Morocco Brown and every scout just get out of here? 
The Colts are the biggest joke in the NFL. They lost to the Texans, who, by the way, the Texans on a Hail Mary, some guy named Rodney Thomas for the Colts, instead of batting it down, wanted to be a hero, went through his arms, touchdown, two-point conversion, Colts lose, Lovey Smith gets fired. What are the Texans doing? I got no idea what the Texans are doing. It's like this. All right, uh, we're going to pin the tail on the donkey. Remember when you're a kid, you spin around, I can't spin around, and we're going to either throw a dart or... So Levy Smith's out. David Culley's out. <sighs> Jeff Saturday, if he lasts, uh, and Chris Ballard, if he lasts, it's 9-12. My wife's hot in that picture, by the way. 9-12 in every picture. If he lasts till 9-15, uh, don't renew your season tickets at Indy. The Colts, and I remember saying this on my local show. Actually, I said it here too. A member of their traveling party, when the Colts left the Jaguars game, like second game of the year, a long veteran, a longtime vet of the NFL called me up and said, hey, Dan, uh, he's on the team playing on the way home. He goes, I got to tell you, the Jaguars have surpassed the Colts in every area. In every area. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. What Urban did to build a building and all that stuff, and now what they got going with Etienne and Trevor Lawrence, and guess what they did? Which brings me to the next game. The Jaguars and the Titans. Look, my daughter lives in Nashville. She's, like, become sports gal. She wasn't. She was dance gal. She was a great dancer. Now, get your head out of the gutter. High school, show choir, that kind of thing. Unbelievable. I used to drive fast as hell from Wisconsin or wherever to get to watch her. It's unbelievable, her and her crew at Zionsville High School. But now she's sports gal. Tighten up is all I hear because she lives in Nash Vegas. And I'm with her because I wanted to go to Nashville for a playoff game, even though I know they probably weren't going to host, but they would as a division winner anyway. So the Titans are playing. Honest to God, honest to God, Trevor Lawrence, who I've been saying is really good, he's throwing pop-ups. Like he's throwing, like the dude's got an arm like mine, and I just had shoulder surgery about three years ago. The dude is throwing pop-ups. Travis, not Travis Henry, Derrick Henry is running like a crazy man through everything. 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 Get Holly Rowe off my screen for the love of God, get her off. Anyway. He's throwing pop-ups. They can't do nothing. Next thing you know, a fumble, pick up, score, defense hold, Titans go home. Titans, I don't think you found a quarterback. Titans, Clay Travis proposed a trade with the Bears. I'm proposing a trade with the Colts. Here's the deal with my Colts. Give the Bears, Quentin Nelson, either, either one or all of them, I don't care. Darius Leonard, the number five pick for the number one pick, and go get a quarterback. Now, the Titans want to do the same thing with Jeffrey Simmons. I get it. But the Titans' season is over. OVA. And I'm sad about it. I want the Titans. I want the Titans to play. I want the Titans in. But they're not. It's a really good game. Glad it was Saturday night. Got home in time to watch. By the way, I'm wearing my Indiana. In a minute, this is going to make you all mad. But I want somebody fired. I'm going to tell you who in a minute. So then, ladies and gentlemen, we got the Eagles and the Giants. So the Eagles and the Giants. 
the Eagles decide, well, you know what? We're going to play right there. We're going to play uh, Jalen Hurts. So what does Jalen Hurts do? Comes back from injury, plays, they get the W. The world is a happy place. And I got to tell you, uh, former Colt Nick Sirianni probably should be the coach of the year. I think so. Jalen Hurts, I got to put him as the MVP of the NFL. Now, let me ask you this. When he came out of college, would you have said Jalen Hurts is the player of the year in the NFL ever? Well, 229 yards last night. Not a great line. One interception. 207 yards. Anyway, long story short, Jalen Hurts, they got it done. Tom Brady, losing season, first time in his history. How about them apples? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, back to the Colts. I stand by this tweet. Ryan Grigson was obviously the only one in the building that held people accountable, and the Colts could use a lot more of that. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's discuss your NFL team. Your NFL team is either in the playoffs or home. I, for one, am very happy after watching that debacle that the Green Bay Packers are home. I think the Chiefs are going to roll. There's Josh McDaniels. Does he survive? This is a weird world now. Does he survive? I think he does. And listen to this. This is something Mike Tirico and I used to talk about all the time. Mark Davis, the owner of the Vegas Raiders, is mad because Allegiant Stadium, where Vegas plays, is overrun by visiting fans. Then don't put your team in Vegas. Don't put your team in Vegas. That's pretty simple. Don't do it. All right. First casualty of Black Monday is who? Lovey Smith. I'm sad about that. I like Lovey Smith. Uh, college basketball. I'm going to save Indiana for last. So college basketball, Alabama, Kentucky. My God, Big Blue Nation. My God. Like, what? look at that score. I want you to look at that score. Now, people say nobody cares about basketball until the end of the season. But I got to tell you, Kentucky people do. Look at that score at Alabama. Now, look, if you're going to be Alabama and you're going to be Kentucky, you can accept, I think we would all agree, you can accept Alabama beating you in football. I think you can. I do. I think you can. Like, all right, they beat us in football. But you can't beat us by 26 in basketball. You can't do it. You cannot do it. You can't. I'm sorry. I won't have it. But we're going to have it because this is what it is. It's unbelievable to me that Kentucky is in this situation. Do you know the name Oscar Shebway? He's making a couple million playing in Kentucky. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you anything you want. The problem with the Big Blue Nation, Kentucky, is money. I'll bet you anything that it's money. Anything you want. This guy's making that. That guy's making it. It just feels like that with this particular team. Big Blue Nation, you stink. Let me go to a couple other games. Washington State has been awful. Arizona has been terrific. Arizona got its brain beat out. I got to tell you, it's a game I don't care about. Auburn, our boy, our boy Bruce Pearl bounced back from a bad loss and beat Arkansas. Now, let me talk about the game that matters to me. All right? 
Indiana and Northwestern. Now, Indiana, when they hired Mike Woodson, I was very, very excited. I've known Mike Woodson a little bit. Not great. He played before me. He played before me at Indiana. He was an All-American. However, he was like one of those guys whose teams never won. So in Mike's early career at Indiana, he came in as a freshman after Indiana went undefeated. Mike scored like 2,000 points, and finally, after only playing nine games as a senior, he wins a Big Ten title, but they go to the NCAA tournament and lose to Purdue. With, they got Isaiah Thomas, Randy Whitman, Mike Woodson, Butch Cardinal Whitman, Landon Turner. They got like 10 pros, and they can't beat Purdue. So I've always been like, wait a second here. What's going on? Next year, Woody leaves Indiana, national champion. I've always been great with Woodson, but I've always been hold on here. There are a lot of guys in Indiana that score points. So Woodson goes. Woodson goes to the pros and he coaches. Indiana needs a coach. I'm screaming, screaming for an Indiana guy. I had the job for seven games. Had they hired me, probably would have won three national championships by now, but I digress. So they hire Woody. I'm excited. I'm happy for Woody. I'm happy for everybody. But. Woodson has a quote. The AD called me up, Scott Dolson, and was using me as a guy to get a new coach. And I said, look, can you hire a human being? Just hire – Calvin Sampson was nuts. Tom Crane was great in the community but drove people nuts for whatever the reason because he was demanding, which you should be at Indiana. Calvin Sampson was completely out of his mind, cheating and doing all this stuff. Uh, and the last guy, the little ratty guy, Sean Miller, was not – it was just – Archie Miller was like a little rat running around here. Just hire a human being. They hire Woodson. You know what Woodson's quote is? If you, this is Mike Woodson talking about Mike Woodson. If you want Mike Woodson, you got to fly in to see Mike Woodson or you got to fly Mike Woodson out to see you. And I thought to myself, Jesus. So you got to understand Indiana. So Indiana now and the players know that the coaching staff, they got one guy who was involved in the Southern District of New York deal. They got another guy, Kenya Hunter, who tried to cover up smoking weed last year, at least allegedly. I don't know if that's true, but I've been told. They got another guy named Walsh who doesn't know what he's doing. And they got a guy on the bench named Armand Hill who's been sleeping on the end of uh, NBA benches forever. If you know who Armand Hill is, you know he sits on the end of an NBA bench now he sits on the end of an Indiana bench. They got rid of Thad Mata, who went to Butler. They got rid of Dane Fife because he didn't watch CNN with him. And next thing you know, Indiana loses to Northwestern at home. So we got 36 blogger boys. We got all this softness in our program. And remember, we used to be the bastion of accountability. We used to be the, the who's tough in college. Back? Indiana, they're always going to be tough. Now, what are we? Show this from Indiana's Twitter handle. Show this tweet from IU. Fought till the finish. That's from the Indiana University Twitter handle. Can you imagine, you Kentucky folks, can you imagine putting that out, Duke, against Northwestern at home? Now, Whoever put this out should be fired immediately. I've got people say, well, that's me. Maybe they're an intern. Good. You know what you learn? If you're an intern and you get fired for that, 
you learn to be better. You don't end up like Quay Walker walking up the sideline like a little batch. You learn. How many times, all you got to do is get on Twitter, go follow John Gordon, or go follow any of these guys, and they'll tell you, look, you learn your most when you get fired. I would fire that person immediately. It would be so fast that their head might pop off because they're like, what? Huh? What? Now, people get mad at me and say I'm not an IU fan. You're right, I'm not. IU is in my soul. 16, 17 years. Of it, it's my who I am. There's nobody that knows more. But we used to be the bastion. Now our coach, eh, he's more red wine, steaks, give me a cigar. I got a report yesterday. His car after games is gone before anybody's. This is a part-time gig. He's making a lot of money. And the players know the staff sucks. There's my man. I love Woody. Great. Yay, Ra. Go fight with Woody. He's gone. I'll show you the text. He's gone before media members after games. Gone. He fired a guy because, well, he wouldn't watch CNN with him. I'm telling you. They, it's unbelievable. Guys call me all kind of names for this. Oh, you're racist. I'm not racist. I'm telling you what the guy does. Saunas with Armand Hill, CNN, couple naps a day, and we stinks. And I'm hot about it. I don't care. I'm hot about it. So don't at me. Kevin McCarthy won Speaker of the House. It's the 15th vote. I don't care how many votes. Look, I don't care. It's the first time since 1923. Why does anybody care? And the first time the election war has taken more than nine ballots since 1859. You know what I don't care about? I don't care about anything other than, anything other than doing a job for us. Just doing a job for us. I'll tell you something else. My man, Tony Dungy, Scientific America article came out. You got to see this. You got to see this. I'm not done with Indiana, by the way. Those players can kiss my backside. Hold on one second. Hey, look, those players, I hear people say, well, you know, the players are hurt. No, they're not. After losses, players go to these little blogger boys events to make money. It drives me nuts. All right, let's go to our friend Tony Dungy. He's been on the show. He's friends of the show. So uh, Scientific America, or whatever the hell it is, comes out with this deal, comes out with a thing that says African-Americans, racism is more to do with violence in football. Can we show the article, the headline? Well, Dungy comes out and he says, yeah, that's crap. Yeah, that's complete crap. Uh, Whatever you want to say about it is total crap. And look, the deal is simple. The deal is absolutely simple. We can spew, and people want to spew, garbage all the time about racism. And it's always little white guy. Little white guy is always trying to get ahead. Like little white guy, the only, the worst thing that little white guy can get, the worst thing, is somebody to say, well, you're racist. Well, look what you're doing. Well, no, uh-uh. no, no. Uh, good. But yeah, actually, it's what I say now. I say good. Uh, you call me whatever you'd like. Why would I care? 
You can call me anything you'd like. It don't matter. Because I know who I am. I know what I am. And I'll be damned if I'm going to care about what somebody else is. And I'll tell you something else while I'm on a bit of a rant here. Stop worrying about Twitter. More people are worried about Skip Bayless's tweets than the president lying to us about the death of soldiers. Now, you explain that to me, will you please? Please explain that. Uh, we, oh my God, I saw, I, I, it's our network, so shoot me if you want. But what's that guy's name, Strahan? Is he on our network? Michael Strahan, well, you know, people at Fox are mad. Hey, you know what? We're more angry about a little freaking tweet than we are, ladies and gentlemen, than we are about the President of the United States standing up to us and lying to us. I want you to think about that for just a second. So now yesterday, we're all upset about a tweet about, I think the Steelers did CPI. Yeah, we're all upset about it. Be upset. I'm not upset about none of it. I will not get upset about a tweet. I'll, yeah, I'll respond to them. I'll talk about them. But until we, we are so programmed to care about Skip Bayless's tweet, and we don't react the same way to the President of the United States standing up in front of us, lying to us about the death of a soldier. God dang. Uh, Sean Payton says he has spoken to Broncos ownership. If I were Sean Payton, I'd shut up. We're going to get tired of Sean Payton. We're going to flip on Sean Payton. Right now, Sean Payton is a guy that we kind of care about. Right now, Sean Payton's a guy that we're looking around going, oh, man, we'd love to have Sean Payton. Sean Payton needs to shut up. I've told this to many, 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 many people. Sean Payton, and when you're in the middle of a job search, you need to shut up. Just shut up. Seriously, just shut up. Nobody needs to know who you're talking to. We'll figure it out. You got little Shefty out there being scrappy and trying to find things out. We'll figure it out. But Sean Payton needs to shut up. Uh, He does not need to tell us because I like Sean Payton. I don't even know how you spell Sean Payton, but I like him. He needs to shut up. Just shut up. Let Let me help you. When I got the West Virginia job, I just shut up. When I got the Bowling Green job, I just shut up. When I got the ESPN job, I just shut up. When I got the Outkick job, I just shut up. You shut up. You let it all play around, and then you go, because we'll turn on you. We ain't afraid. So he needs to shut up and get a job or get the job that he wants. I'm trying to help people here. Uh, I want to get into this, but I'll get into this later. Five people from a Division three school, five kids, during a practice had to be hospitalized. I got to tell you. I will guarantee you this, and this is known in college basketball, no one ran harder practices than me. No one was more brutal on bus trips home after losses. I will tell you, I'm a very nice guy. But uh, when I lost, it was insanity. I got players with stories for days, but no chance anybody was ever going to the hospital. Sean Payton just needs to shut the hell up. We don't need to hear your interview tour. Tell you what we do need to hear, our friend Mike Griffin. I want to hear what's going to happen with the dogs and the horned frogs. And I got a feeling Mike Griffin, who has been on every week and has been spectacular every week, is going to tell you that Georgia's going to womp up on him. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know them, you love them, you've heard them, you've read them, you've seen them. The great, and I don't use that word often, Mike Griffith joins us. Mike Griffith32 on Twitter is where we go. Always has the best background of anybody that comes on our show. Mike, you and I were talking where you're in L.A., it's spread out, uh, Word on the street, no tailgating, all that goes away at 7.30 Eastern when the two teams kick off. But before that, what's the vibe out there for the championship? Well, I mean, we had the media days. I think both the teams are enjoying it, certainly, Dan. But just from a fan perspective and, you know, from what I've seen, you see patches of fans at different places. But, it, you know, it, L.A. is just, as you mentioned, so spread out. It's not like last year in Indianapolis where – so many of the people are downtown and, and you can see the large congregations of people moving through the, through the tunnels in the winter because it's so cold. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like a complainer here, right? LA is too spread out. Indianapolis is so cold. You feel like you're, you know, in a tunnel everywhere because they, thank goodness they have tunnels, by the way. So you can move from building to building in downtown Indy, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we all get a little spoiled, uh, you know, for the great game day settings that you have in the, Southeastern Conference, some of the Big Ten schools do a good job. Uh, you know, it's different. College fans like to be there throughout the week. NFL fans kind of check in and check out. It's a little bit more uh, sterile to me when you're in an NFL environment. Stadium's interesting. I'm not sure what it's going to be like uh, inside game day. I've been told there's a lot of, not a lot of noise uh, simply because it's, it's open air, even though you see there's a, a roof over it. It's very unique. Um, we can't, I, I guess we... Could we call it a dome if it's not completely enclosed? I don't know. Um, it'll be an interesting setting. I'm really looking forward to the game. Very unique. Has anything happened since last week, whether it's personnel, whatever, that impacts the game in your mind? Not really. Um, you know, I think one of the things that was interesting uh, to me, covering Kirby Smart for the last five years, he, he's not a guy with a whole lot of self-disclosure. And his dad's not going to be able to make the game uh, because of some uh, undisclosed health issues. Didn't say what. Um, didn't make the Peach Bowl either. And so his mom and dad aren't going to be there. And, you know, you know, Dan, you've been a coach. And, and, you know, sometimes I think fans just don't really realize there's human beings that are that are behind all these programs. It's, it's not just that that image. But you could just tell Kirby was 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 hurt and disappointed that his mom and dad couldn't be here and. You know, he's a 47-year-old man. But, again, people still have feelings. And, um, you know, oftentimes we don't, uh, you know, humanize coaches. They're just their figures. Fire them. Fire them. You know, you don't even think about their families, what could be going on in their life. That You know, they have kids. They have parents. They have a lot of the same real-life issues we all do. So that was that was uh, unusual. Um, it really must have bothered Kirby. Uh, I think he started talking a little bit about when he was a kid going to games and I think he started thinking about Sonny Smart, his dad, and a guy that's just so well-respected in the Georgia Hall of Fame, high school coach, uh, known so well by so many uh, in the region because of the players he turned out, the men that he coached that went on to success. And, you know, I talked to Ray Goff yesterday, and, of course, Ray Goff uh, recruited Kirby Smart. 
another South Georgia guy, former SEC player of the year, in addition to being a, a Georgia Bulldog uh, coach himself. And, you know, Ray was talking about Kirby. So I don't know if that's anything, uh, you know, real huge that impacts the game, but, you know, kind of just one of those slices of life. And, you know, you remember that there's real people and, uh, you know, real feelings behind all of this. Um, Phil Simms's kid, I'm not – oh, no, it was uh, Danny Ainge's kid. Danny Ainge's kid lost yeah, his mind on Stetson Bennett. It's his nephew. Like, it's his- what, what's, what's – oh, nephew, I'm sorry, you're right. What's behind that? What, what, there's got to be something behind this, uh, Mike. Well, I, you know, I actually covered Eric Ainge uh, when I covered Tennessee. He was a quarterback. Eric was a great quarterback. He was a great athlete. Uh, he does a talk radio show now on WNML in Knoxville. And uh, believe it or not, Dan, sometimes talk show hosts uh, will, will have very strong opinions. I, I don't know if you know this, Dan, but there's been people at times <laughs> that don't always agree with you. And don't add Dan, by the way. Don't add Dan. But I, I think Eric's take, just talking to his producer, Brian Rice, who who does the color uh, for UT basketball, uh, women's basketball. What Brian told me was, look, Stetson Bennett can be Stetson Bennett, but they don't like that he's out there fist pumping and celebrating when he like he's Michael Jordan when he's really more of a Steve Kerr. That was what they told me. That's what oh, they didn't like with all the celebrations and how demonstrative he is when he's really more of a, a, a role player than the actual star. And I, I kind of see their point. If you're a Georgia fan, you love it because he's your guy and he's bringing energy. Um, if you're an opposing fan, you're going, he what? He didn't even make all SEC. He's not first team SEC. He's not second team all SEC. But then you turn on TV and they're saying he might be one of the greatest of all time. It's it's kind of like, wait a minute. The SEC coaches didn't vote him all SEC. First team or second team. And he had, what, 20 touchdowns and six interceptions during the regular season. But we're going to hear the narrative that he might be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So the line gets blurred between accomplishment and actual ability. I mean, and I, I and I don't know what to make of that because we've not. This is unique. I guess that's part of what makes it uh, such a fun and different story. And and I think the reason so many people like it is because we, you know, you can relate and you think to yourself, "Well, I could have done that. That could be me." <laughs> well, yeah. If we give you a defense that only gives up ten points a game, and you know, if we give you a superhero for a tight end with about a nine foot catch radius, and we give you the most, you know, one of the three most versatile backs in the SEC uh, in the last 20 years who also didn't make all SEC because, after all, uh, everyone talks Georgia, they talk Stetson Bennett. They don't talk about Kenny McIntosh. Wait a minute, well, you mean to tell me this guy's done something that only Percy Harvin and Dexter McCluster's done with 500 receiving, 500 rushing, 10 to Yeah, we didn't talk about that. We were too busy talking about the You know, what about Smile Munden? If I said Smile Munden to you, You'll say, what's that? Is, is that a happy face uh, in, in the United Kingdom? No. Smile Munden is Georgia's leading tackler. You don't even know him. You've never heard his name. Why haven't we talked about him? Right? So I, I sort of see where they're coming from. It, it To me, it came off, um, you know, calling somebody a, a punk. I guess that's the new thug. Word you're not supposed to use to describe anybody. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't use either one of those words. Uh, I heard someone yesterday called a, well, I don't even want to use it because I don't even know if you can say it. I don't know what, I, just a bad person. I'll just say that. You hear people criticize from time to time and, uh, 
And that word punk really bothered some people. I think that's going a bit too far. But, you know, look, Eric is uh, he's an opinionated guy that does talk radio. Um, earlier this year, he kind of put his foot in his mouth when he said he didn't think that the noise at Sanford Stadium would be a factor. Said he played there. It never bothered him. And and he did play there and won there, and he did quite well. But but that was 15 years ago, and things have changed. And the Georgia fans showed up in force and absolutely blew everybody's eardrums out at 137 decibels, the stadium record. And there were six false starts on Tennessee, and Tennessee was supposed to be number one, and, and they got absolutely dominated that day. So there's a little bit of a background. It's a little bit of the rivalry. It's the kind of thing that happens in the SEC. Tennessee and Georgia are rivals. They kind of look for reasons to get upset with one another, and Eric Eric gave him some more reasons uh, to dislike him picking on Stetson Bennett. I, I'm I'm good. I'm great with everything that you said, except Stetson Bennett did throw for 400 freaking yards in the national semifinal. Now I don't give a damn that. That's pretty good. I mean, people, I, and I wrote this down to ask you because I'm not. You're there every day, okay? People, I don't know why, it always seems to come to him. They talk about when there's going to be a statue outside Samford Stadium. Is that just like an analogy, or is that like something that people are talking about? I wrote it down to ask you, Mike. Is, is that just like some type of analogy, or is that like what people are talking about, a statue to Stetson Bennett outside the stadium? Wow. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe one of his NIL people will get that done. Uh, he made over a million dollars in NIL endorsements this year. Um, right now, the only real statue outside on the Georgia campus is, is the late great Vince Dooley. And it, and it's kind of been an item of contention. I mean, you think maybe Herschel Walker should have a statue, Dan, before, I mean, the guy that actually holds NCAA records that actually carried a team on his shoulders uh, you know, I was doing some stats. I, again, Kenny McIntosh comparing Kenny's season, a guy you've never heard of who's actually, you know, one of the keys to this team with the most yards from scrimmage. Um, you know, comparing his numbers with 185 touches and, I don't know, 1,300 yards. And I was going back. Herschel had over 400 touches in one season. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing, Bunyan-esque stats, but we're not talking about that either. You know why? Well, because Herschel yeah. ran for politics, ran for Senate, and and all this is a hot button. So oh, don't talk about that because he's a politician, and his wife says this, and his kid. I don't care. What did he? You know, it's not like he murdered somebody. We're talking about a guy that did politics, and and somebody went through his closet and what did or didn't. I don't. Hell, I don't know. But in nineteen eighty one or nineteen eighty, Herschel was unbelievable, and his numbers still haven't been equaled. And Georgia doesn't have a statue of this guy on campus when he's the greatest college football player of all time. Now, I know ESPN did their take, and somehow it was Jim Brown, even though Jim Brown really didn't become Jim Brown until the NFL. Well, he would have been if he could have, but he didn't, okay? He played lacrosse, right. and his numbers are good, but they're nowhere near Herschel's. Herschel's clearly the most, the best. Look at the numbers, folks. Just Google it. Not even close. Um, but but there's no statue of Herschel. I, I broke the code. I talked about Herschel Walker today. Sorry if anybody was offended. I, I know that you, not everybody votes the same. Yeah. I, again, I really don't care because I don't follow politics. I just know football and football history. Dan, before the Stetson Bennett statue, I, I would just could, could we you know acknowledge other great players? You know, Matt Stafford was a pretty yeah. good 
He, you know, he didn't win a national title, but nobody did. I mean, nobody's won like Kirby. Everybody's got got everybody's got guys with great numbers, but Walker won a national title. This guy's winning national titles. I don't know who should have statues, but I know this. Walker certainly should. I don't care about his politics. Let me go to the game here. You believe, at least you said this, I think, last time we talked. I think it was you. You believe that Georgia rolls in this one, do you not? Yeah, I, I do. I, it's You know, it's a, this is a matchup. Football is a matchup game. You know, sometimes you can't figure out why some team is, you know, has your team's number. It's, it's about the matchups, right? And we all knew, and Kirby knew, that Ohio State was kryptonite. Um, because of uh, C.J. Stroud as a franchise quarterback. And to, to yep. beat Kirby's scheme, the way Kirby's scheme is set up, they really deny you the passes. If you've got a guy, though, that can make those – it's kind of like beating a pre- – Dan, I'm going to put this in basketball terms so you can understand it. Just kidding. So if you've got a team that presses, right, <laughs> if you've got good guards, that full-court press isn't going to bother you, right? But if you don't got good guards – you're, it could be hell. It could destroy you the whole night. You can practice for it. But if you don't got two guys or three guys that can handle the ball, then you're in trouble, okay? When you play Kirby Smart, if you don't have a quarterback that can put some zip on that ball and put it through some windows, you're in trouble, okay? And I don't know that I believe Max Duggan, for all of his heart and and everything that – you know, you want an underdog story. I mean, wow, what a great story Max Duggan is. He wasn't even the start of the beginning of the year. You know, heart surgery, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, you know, guy that's been through it all there. But I don't think he's a franchise quarterback talent, arm talent, like C.J. Stroud, like Bryce Young, like Joe Burrow, like Mac Jones. These are the quarterbacks that have beaten Kirby Smart, okay? And I just don't think – and you got to have more than one receiver – that can really penetrate, really hurt that defense. They got one. If you got two, Kirby might be a little stretched out. So I don't think that TCU has what it takes to be dynamic consistently offensively. That's one. Two, I just mentioned Kenny McIntosh. I think he's the mismatch. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Brock Bowers, the superhero tight end, um, you know, that, that makes these catches and has this catch radius and does so much run after the catch. That's what Kenny is also. They got two guys like that. They got two guys that can run the ball, catch the ball, run routes downfield, make you miss after the catch. Most teams don't have one. They've got two outstanding players, that chess pieces, right? You know, the queen on the board, right? They got two of those guys. They can move all over the board. They can line up anywhere. They can run it. They can catch it. They can make you miss. They can run over you. They can run around you. When you've got two dynamic playmakers and a guy like Todd Munkin, and, and he's the real winning edge for Kirby Smart. He's the guy that really got Kirby over the hump, was this ingenious play caller, veteran play caller, who does so much that those quarterbacks at the line of scrimmage for Georgia can audible or change to six different runs and out-leverage you when they go to the line. They can adjust their receivers. They can you know call plays. I mean, this is truly an NFL pro-style offense, and that's why so many people want to flock to it because if you can run the Georgia offense effectively – and efficiently and consistently, then you can go to the NFL. And Dan, the issue that some people have with Stetson is that he's not consistent. So we saw the 10 of 12, 190 yards in the fourth quarter when everybody had their popcorn, but everybody missed it when he went one, one of four for 17 yards and Georgia got shut out in the third quarter and Ohio State built a 14-point lead. Nobody remembers that he threw a pick on a really bad throw that cost Georgia seven points in the first half as Ohio State built a 21-7 lead. You're not behind by two touchdowns. 
if you've had great quarterback play to that point. So it's up and down. Yeah. It's good Stetson. It's bad Stetson. But in the end, he wins. And, 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 and the ends justify the means for fans. But I'm going to tell you, those coaches, that's not how they look at it. They don't look at the ends. They break it down and they're like, look, man, second quarter, you're third. You know, you took a sack at the 30. You took us out of field goal range. You threw a pick that cost Georgia seven. Those coaches break it all down. The fans are like, we don't care. We won. But the coaches, Dan, and you know this, they want the execution. You've been a coach. What if you had a point guard? He turned the ball over seven times in the first half, hits the game-winning shot. You take your arm around him. You're hugging him. But how long before you're chewing his ass because of those seven first-half turnovers that put you down 10 at the half? I'm with you, brother. I, I get all that. Is 12 and a half too many points? Not enough. No. No. You know, I, I don't know. You know, Kirby has a tendency – when he builds a lead to kind of take the air out of the ball. I think back to the Tennessee game. I want to say it was 27-13 or 27-14. They were up 24-6 to at half and, and dominating that game against Tennessee. And if Tennessee, if Georgia wanted to keep the throttle down, uh, they probably could have won by, you know, 30 points. But Kirby, you know, kind of just starts running the ball. You know, he doesn't want to take chances again. You know, um, Stetson is can be very, very good. But there's been some turnovers. Like I said, that turnover ratio, that touchdown-interception ratio is not elite. It's it's good. It's fine. It's good enough. He comes up clutch. But if he doesn't have to throw it, he's not going to throw it. So sometimes Kirby will start running the ball to shorten the game. And there's so a lot of times when you look at – that's why the national statistics can be somewhat misleading. You say, oh, look at this. Georgia's only averaging, I don't know what, 39 points a game through the regular season. Well, it could have been 50. If they were like other offenses like Ohio State or Tennessee that keep that throttle down and, and keep winging it all over the park, and um, then their numbers could have been great. Stetson's numbers could have been even better, right? But that's not how Kirby does it. He gets a three-touchdown lead. He's like, let's turn the lights out, guys. We're going to run the ball. We're going to be efficient. We're going to keep that clock moving. We're going to play field position football because Georgia has probably the best defense in the country, even though they've gotten pretty lit up the last two games by LSU and by Ohio State, the defense is elite. LSU was more about scheme, big lead, you know, trading time for yardage. Ohio State just came out there and put it on them. I mean, C.J. Stroud and the Buckeyes uh, could easily, easily be here, and they would have easily, easily beaten Ohio or uh, TCU as well. All right, there you go. You've been on the road. I really appreciate everything, man. That's going to be fun tonight. You. Now you convinced me. As I as you were talking, I put it in. I'm ta- I'm giving the 12 and a half. I think they're going to win by 20. It's going to be fun though. You were one. Mike, now, I can't think, think the case. I want to hear the case the other way. Like, what were you thinking? Like when you when you thought 12 and a half? Are you were you thinking Duggan just uh, with his role? I'll, 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 I'll tell you. No, I'll tell you exactly what I'm thinking. I I look at this a little bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. Every time there was some type of tough play that needed to be made. TCU made it against a Michigan team that was coming into the game priding self, themselves on being tough. I don't think Michigan was very good. In fact, I stood in the end zone with Urban Meyer at the Indiana game. Michigan's offensive line was right in front of me, and he goes, yeah, these guys aren't athletic enough. So I'm not saying it was the great, but I will say this. They looked fast. They looked whenever anything, and this is from the coaching side of me, whenever anything got tough, they smacked Michigan right in the mouth. Uh, ran the football, had enough speed to throw the football. Now, whether they have enough against Georgia, I, you know, I don't know. But is Duggan good enough? I don't know. 
But I would be glad if I were TCU that I got Duggan on my team, whether he's good enough or not, we'll see. But that's why. Um, and I think that the backdoor late touchdown cover down 18 or whatever comes into play in games like this. That's all. Just, you know. I think that's uh, fair. I, I, obviously. I, I, yeah. I, I think that's fair. So I'm, I'm, big on, I'm big on when you get smacked in the mouth, particularly when it's a TCU against a team like a Michigan or, you know, Ohio State, you know, and, and Georgia, you know, when they get smacked in the mouth, Mike, they're going to come back. You know that. But TCU, I wasn't sure. And, man, I tell you what, not only did they come back, it wasn't a fluke. They ran it down. So that's the only reason. I got to run. I appreciate you for asking, though. Thank you, my friend. Great stuff. I appreciate it, Dan. Izzo's back, by the way. His team's playing better, Mike. Izzo's team is playing better. I was texting with him the other day. Malik Hall is back in business. I'm going to rip the NFL continually. <laughs> the guy, the two punks on the Packers. I'm not done with these two idiots. Quay Walker. Oh, you're being mean. Shut up. And then the other, uh, the, uh, I'm ripping everybody. Ripping everybody today. Let me tell you something. It is now 9.54. And Jimmy Ursay has not fired Jeff Saturday. I don't make me call for new ownership in Indianapolis. Here's a text from an NFL guy. Colts owner will lose any credibility he has left if he keeps any remnants of this JV operation. Dan, don't tell me any more about the greatness of Gus Bradley. He was a losing machine in Jacksonville. This great indie defense can't close out the game, a sieve. Fourth and 12, and then a ridiculous fourth and 20 again to lose. Coaches around the NFL, this is a different guy. I just switched from the NFL. Coaches around the NFL can sleep well tonight knowing that going from getup on ESPN to head coach was an unmitigated disaster. How about this? You want to talk NFL? I'll give you NFL. Listen to this. The general manager in Houston has been abysmal. He's on his third head coach in three years because Lovey Smith got fired this morning. The Indy general manager will be on his fifth, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, head coach in seven years. How about that? How about that action? I mean, you want disasters. You look in the AFC South. I said this after watching the Titans game. The AFC South is a disaster because pop-up throwing Trevor Lawrence is by far the best quarterback in the league. By far. Not close. So, who won the division? The team with the best quarterback. But I got to tell you, I'm sitting there looking at this, going, man, five coaches in seven years, three coaches in three years, three years. That's what you got in Houston. Now, look, Lovey Smith given a year I think is crap. I, I think it's complete crap. I think Lovey Smith should have been there. My friend Sean Salisbury, who hosts the morning show, said, yeah, he's out. Who else is out? Uh, is Saturday going to be out? They say he's a candidate for the job. Get rid of him now. Get rid of the general manager now in Indy. Go get Jim Harbaugh. 
Go get uh, Sean Payton. I don't care. But get rid of these people. I tell you this, I'd be thinking about getting rid of Josh McDaniels. There's no way you can look at that highly punchable face and say, all right, uh, well, I want to play for him. Boy, let me have him. Boy, he inspires me. At Indianapolis, we had Pagano, McDaniel, Reich, Saturday. Now we're going to have a fifth. While going 46-56-1. Remember this. Look me in the eye, people. In the world that we live in, there are winners. There are losers. And there are survivors. Chris Ballard in Indy, survivor. What's that guy's name in uh, Houston? His name escapes me right now. Survivor. You know who wasn't a survivor? The Robinson guy in Texas or in uh, Tennessee. He wasn't a survivor. And oh, by the way, hey, uh, we're going to play this again. We're going to play the audio from Naheem Hines. Not one kick return, but two kick returns. You know who they got Naheem Hines from in Buffalo? Track star. North Carolina State, the Indianapolis Colts, and Chris frickin' Ballard. We'll be right back. Jeez. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, the NFL yesterday, very interesting. The NFL today may be more interesting. I don't know. It is Black Monday. We've already seen Lovey Smith. Of the Texans out of here, our friend Chad Hutton from Outkick 360, nice enough to join us. Uh, Let's start in what we would describe as our division, the AFC South. Um, Titans were there, just don't fumble the ball for for a fumble recovery touchdown. Give me your thoughts on the Titans, Jaguars, Colts, Texans, a whole nine yards. I'll let you uh, uh, claim this division as yours, Dan. I'm, I'm going to stay away from it. I, I don't want anything to do with this division as me being responsible for, for anything to do with it. But, uh, look, it, it was it's unfortunate for the Titans because with all the injuries down to their third quarterback, their defense was good for the majority of the year. And I think you saw it was, was a team that did everything they could possibly to give themselves a chance to win on the road against a Jacksonville team that was playing well. Uh, here's the disappointing part to me if I'm Jacksonville. They win the game, they're going to the playoffs, but it was in no way because of Trevor Lawrence, their star young quarterback. I thought he was bad in that game. This was more about the Titans and their deficiencies than anything the Jags did to win the game. So that's got to be a little bit disappointing. Uh, From the Titans' perspective, Josh Dobbs, I mean, my hat is off to him because that was his 17th day with the team. Played well against the Cowboys, given the situation after eight days. Nine days later, he gets a chance in a playoff-type environment to win an in. And I thought, I thought he played well, given the circumstances, much better than, than Malik Willis. And unfortunate that the game ends and turns on 
a fumble where he's hit from behind. He doesn't. The guy comes unblocked, doesn't see him. Uh, I, look, I, I think we can debate whether or not it's incomplete or fumble. I thought ESPN was very quick just to say, oh, that's a fumble. Dan, I've seen that called an incomplete yeah. pass many times at all levels of football. And then people would come back and say, oh, well, the arm's moving forward. That's an incomplete pass. That's one that's almost like, is it a catch? Is it not a catch? I think you could debate one way or the other. It was going to be whatever was ruled on the field. I thought it was weird that it was ruled a fumble on the field. Normally, when the ball's coming out of your hand and going forward, it's immediately called incomplete. Then you go back and review it. I think that would have made it harder to overturn. I think if it's Tom Brady throwing that pass, it's an incomplete pass. I think Josh Dobbs making his second start in his seventh year in the NFL was an easy mark to say, okay, that's a fumble return for a touchdown. Home crowd gets into it. Jacksonville wins. Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs. Obviously much more desirable than Josh Dobbs in the playoffs. But either way, again, I'm not saying it definitely wasn't a fumble. I'm saying we could have that argument. It was not cut and dry to me. Um, But that's the disappointing part on the Titans' side was they had a game plan. They did everything necessary, especially on defense, to give them a chance to pull off the upset on the road. And then you had that one play happen, and that, that was the difference of the game. They did, they're up 16-13 to 13 at that point. Uh, they're making the Jags kick field goals, and they've got a great chance in the fourth quarter to get out of there with a win and move on to the playoffs. I don't think either one of those teams is going to win a playoff game. I like the Chargers to go into Jacksonville and win in advance, but regardless, it would have been a nice little story for Josh Dobbs to get that win. So you got Josh Dodds, Tanny Hill over in Texas or Tennessee. You've got I don't know who Sam Ellinger yesterday. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the most stable quarterback in the division. And then of course you got Davis Mills, who engineered, I guess, a win over the Colts. Before we move on to the Packers, Punks, and everything else, uh, general managers need to be hired in Tennessee, maybe Indy. Coach needs to be hired in Indy. Coach needs to be hired uh, in Texas. What's going to happen here? It's a great, great question. Uh, with the Titans, so, you know, they're, they're, the guy who's in charge of the front office right now is a guy named Ryan Cowden. So let's start with them. So John Robinson gets fired midseason. Titans were 7-5 and five at that point. They were on a two-game losing streak. They lose in Philly. He gets fired. They lose the last five games of the regular season. They're out of the playoffs. If Ryan Cowden is just retained and now said, okay, now you're the general manager, to me that's clearly a sign that they're going to give Mike Vrabel a separate title also. Uh, A title to watch with the Titans is executive vice president. Uh, Jeff Fisher had that title after many years of the organization. If you have that title, you can sign contracts with players, which means that you're basically a general manager as well. So if they're going to give all control to Mike Vrabel, I'd be on the lookout for Ryan Ryan Cowden being named the general manager, and I'm putting air quotes around it, for the Titans, but really it would be Mike Vrabel's operation. If they go outside the Titans organization for that hire, then I think you know they're going in a different direction, and they're going to look around and have more of a broad search. Uh, with the Texans, Nick Casario you know, being around for whatever decisions are made – I mean, this is four coaches now in four years they're going to have. When you go with Bill O'Brien getting fired mid-2020 season, uh, David Coley for one year, Lovey Smith for one year, and now whoever they hired next. There's only been one organization that's had that happen. It was the 49ers when they fired Jim Harbaugh. They went from Jim Harbaugh to Jim Tom Sula to Chip Kelly to Kyle Shanahan. 
Now, third time's a charm. They got it right with Kyle Shanahan, and things have looked a lot better. Is that going to be the case with the Texans? Dan, they better hope it's going to be because that's an organization that's flailing right now. I I look around, and there's some good young pieces on defense. I really like Jalen Petrie at safety, but there's not a lot to be optimistic about with the Houston Texans at this point. They really need to nail this next coaching hire for their organization's sake. And you know well, the Colts, general manager, coach, they're going to have to draft a quarterback, we all believe. That's one that who knows what's going to happen. But what this all leads to was, you know, we opened talking about AFC South and the Jags. The Jags win that game. They're in the playoffs. They're stable. I can't believe I'm saying that about the Jacksonville organization, but not right now they've got good young talent. They've drafted pretty well, and they drafted so high that you would hope to draft well. But I look around at that young defense, Trevor Lawrence, when he comes into his own. Uh, Doug Peterson is a guy who's won a Super Bowl in the league. They've got, you know, they've got a situation where they should be the Titans for the next four or five years. Titans win the division the last three years, go to the playoffs five straight years up until this year. That really should be Jacksonville right now with Indy, Houston, and Tennessee trying to nip at their heels. Um, Packers... I'm going to say the word punks. People can crush my soul, whatever you want. Quay Walker, the other guy, Devontae, what's his name? Wiley, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, I've never seen that before. I've never seen guys kind of bow up on medical personnel going out to help a fallen player. And this week of all weeks is the dumbest week you could possibly do that. Dan, you nailed it because that that was my first thought was of all the times to shove a trainer out of the way who's tending to a player, it's the week after we're honoring the assistant trainer, medical staff member for the Bills who rushes out there and immediately administers CPR, which helps save the life of DeMar Hamlin. He's got brain function today because of what that guy was able to do and and calmly go about doing it as a medical personnel. It, It was weird. Here's the stranger part about this. Quay Walker's got a problem. He's been ejected twice for the same yeah. thing. He shoved a guy for the Bills on the sideline that wasn't in uniform. Some staff member or player who wasn't playing or something got ejected for that too. Matt LaFleur said after the game, I've never seen a guy get ejected twice in the same year in his years of coaching. So that's something they're going to have to address. Uh, not a good look for Georgia grads either. Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, <laughs> both Georgia players, not exactly a great pr- prelude to the national championship game tonight for the Georgia Bulldogs with that scene last night. I, I thought it was just, you know, it's, it's not the way he was shoved. I'm not thinking, oh, boy, he really was out to injure the guy or anything like that. I just watch it, Dan, and think like you did. It's just dumb. I mean, you can use the word punks. or It's definitely a punk move. But I think with Quay Walker, he's becoming more of a punk, right? You, you do that twice. You don't learn from it the first time. You get yourself ejected. You do it a second time. It moves from being a punk move to you're just a punk at that point. And, and that's the way I view Quay Walker after that last night. It's very, very weird. I, I just, I never saw it. I know uh, Mike Tirico was going to go to it uh, with the Devontae Wiley guy, but it, it, he didn't quite get to it. That, that dude bumped him too. I mean, what do I, I got to tell you, I, in my lifetime, I've, I've never, ever, and I've been around a lot. I've seen some things. I've seen some good and I've seen some bad. A um, couple of things. Do we have to celebrate like Mike Tomlin? Like Mike Tomlin just, 
I thought he had a bad team, one of the five worst early in the year. Now Mike Tomlin's got him in the playoff. I love that Deshaun Watson fell flat on his backside. I ain't mad about it. And I'll continue to say, even though it's his first losing season as a quarterback, Tom Brady won the divorce with Bill Belichick. Give me your thoughts on those. Yeah, so, uh, look, I, I really admire uh, Mike Tomlin just because of the – and it's not just Tomlin, it's that Steelers organization. If I'm hiring a GM, yes, I mean, go through that roster of their front office. Uh, I look at the Ravens, too. And what I love about the Steelers and Ravens, Dan, I think you and I have talked about this before, there's an identity there with those teams. When they draft a guy, we immediately think, boy, that makes sense. That's a Ravens player or that's a Steelers yes. player. I mean, the Ravens are here with a good record. They haven't had their star quarterback for a good chunk of the year. And I look at Mike Tomlin and just the consistent winning seasons. You know, they're, they're not good this year, but they're still able to stay competitive throughout the year with really a bad quarterback situation. They're trying to bring in a new quarterback and bring him along with Kenny Pickett. But, yeah, I, I admire Mike Tomlin. Um, but it, <laughs> the Tom Brady situation – there's no doubt. I mean, if if you're ever going to start to pay head coaches less and quarterbacks more in the NFL, right. if I'm an agent, right. you know, if I'm the lawyer arguing something, then I'm going to bring in precedent. I'm going to bring in that Patriots dynasty and say, Bill Belichick, good coach, does good things. But here's why the quarterback should get paid this much and here's why the coach should get paid maybe a little bit less than they're making this ungodly amount of money, and it's because quarterback is greater than coach. Now, we can point to examples where coaches have gotten more out of bad quarterback situations than other coaches will get from the same bad quarterback situation, and I think those coaches deserve raises when that happens. But I, I think example A of it's the quarterback and not the coach is in New England with Tom Brady for all of those years. And I still look at Brady and think, you know, all the uh, speculation throughout the year, he's going through a divorce, that he's not particularly good for much of the year, the Bucks don't look very good. I'm still thinking Todd Bowles might be a one-and-done, quite frankly, the way the Bucks look this year. If they go out and get beat by the Cowboys in the first, round, in the first game of the playoffs. But here's the Bucks; They're hosting a playoff game. With all of that, they're in a bad division. They find a way to win it. They're going to host a playoff game on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys team who looked really bad on Sunday against the Commanders. Dan, that would not shock me in the least if Tom Brady and the Bucks find a way to win and upset the Cowboys at home. And if that happens, be on the lookout for Sean Payton as a possible next Cowboys head coach. I do think that Jerry Jones, if they're one and done in the playoffs – I think he's the type who will make a move and go try to trade for his guy. Yeah, I got to tell you, Mike McCarthy, it's it's not if, it's when. I don't, I'm don't. i with you on that. Hey, um, Black Monday. Hey, by the way, add Lovie Matt LaFleur Smith. to that list of not if, but when. I, I, I watch him and that I Packers team, that. and I think he's not going to get fired this year, I don't think, but he is on the hot seat next year. And who has confidence that with Jordan Love, if it's not Aaron Rodgers having a big comeback year next year, that they're going to be a playoff-type team. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur is probably another if, but not, not if, but when guy. Yeah, when Matt LaFleur, instead of taking the, the idiots out, went, you know, be, that's code to me that I'm so soft I can't really, I can't really do anything. All right, is, 
today, usually today, I don't know, maybe they've changed what they call Black Monday. Lovey Smith gone. Are you anticipating guys being fired? And if who, or if so, whom? So Lovey Smith was the easiest one to pin and say, you know, he's he's going to be gone. I, I think the other places to watch today. Let's just talk about movement as a whole, not not just firings on on this Black Monday. Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona uh, is certainly one to watch. I would put Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland on that list, but they just fired the defensive coordinator, so I think he's probably safe if he's being allowed to make that move. So he'll be back. Um, I think another guy to watch is Dennis Allen in New Orleans as a possible one and done. That was a team that got some Super Bowl play early in the year in terms of what people thought they could be. Um, So maybe there's one to watch. Two names, one that was reported on over the weekend, Sean McVay is considering stepping away from coaching and getting into television after a disappointing year with the Rams. That was all the buzz of the Super Bowl last week or excuse me, last year, during Super Bowl week was, hey, don't be shocked if Sean McVay wins a Super Bowl and then goes makes gobs of money on television and leaves coaching behind for for a while. Maybe that happens. Maybe he goes the John Gruden route and steps away and goes into television for a long time and then comes back later as still a young guy. Uh, The other one that that I I keep coming back to that could be a big surprise um, is Pete Carroll. You know, Pete Carroll with the Seahawks right now, uh, not fired, but does he retire? Does he want to sit through? The Seahawks, they're a playoff team, Dan, but with Geno Smith, you know, what? where are they right now in the NFC West, I think is a valid question. When you look at the 49ers and how great they've been, um, what happens there? The other one that I'll I'll put in there, but I think he's probably safe now because of a great close of the season, is uh, with the Chargers. You know, early this year when it started to leak that Sean Payton was interested in a couple jobs, the two jobs that came up the most, Chargers, Cardinals. Why? Because of the young quarterback situation. Sean Payton, if he gets to pick that he's going to come back and someone's going to trade for him to be a coach, he wants to go somewhere that's got a good young quarterback situation. You certainly have that with Herbert, to a lesser degree, Kyler Murray in Arizona, but still something to work with with those two organizations. You know, one of the interesting things in the NFL, I think, is going to be the first pick in the draft. Do you? Like, I saw Clay put out a trade. Hell, I'm dying to get rid of Quentin Nelson and uh, and frickin' Leonard and let the Bears have him with the five pick. It is going to be fascinating because if you are going to pick a quarterback, certainly the Bears don't need a quarterback. Maybe maybe they go with Will Anderson, that type of thing. But I... I think it's going to – first time in my real paying attention that I think the first pick in the draft is fascinating here. Who has it and who's going to be picked? I, I agree. And uh, good job by the Colts, by the way, for uh, screwing over a division opponent by losing to them, you know, in the, in the rare instance where this happened. Because Houston now, who needs a quarterback, is going to have to probably give up picks to get to number one because there's going to be someone behind them vying to trade up to draft Bryce Young. I think that's the situation they're going to be in. So if they want Young, if they want C.J. Stroud or any of the quarterbacks, they're probably going to have to give up picks where if they just lose to the Colts, or I'm sorry, if they just beat uh, the, the reverse there, then they're going to be picking number one, and then they're not going to have any problem picking the quarterback they want. I do think, Dan, there's going to be a surprise team that may be in the 10 to 15 range 
in the draft that's going to go all in on trading up to number one with the Bears, knowing the Bears are probably yeah. not going to draft a quarterback, and then they're going to go up and get Bryce Young, which makes it interesting because now we're going to start to read reports about what teams are having discussions with the Bears or interested in trading up to number one to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I think it's going to be a fascinating draft season for, for that reason. And for the Bears, I still feel like they've got an interesting decision to make. Maybe I'm crazy. Justin Fields is great running the football. He's not shown me enough passing right now where I'm just completely confident in him moving forward for the Bears. Um, I don't see them drafting quarterback, but it's still an interesting spot they're in right now with Justin Fields. I think they're going to go with another position if they end up drafting there. But it's not like you look at the Bears and automatically think, boy, they've got quarterback figured out for the next 10 years. I'm, I'm not so confident in saying that either. But the most likely scenario is they're going to trade out of that spot. Now we get to all jump in line and speculate about what team's going to trade up to get the quarterback. You, uh, I cannot let you go without saying, a pr- without getting a prediction. Georgia, TCU, the line is 12 and a half. I'll let you go winner, and which side of that line would you go? I really feel like Georgia survived their big scare against Ohio State. I think that was the big hurdle to clear for them. They weren't really tested at all this year. They, they had a tussle in Columbia, Missouri, midway through the season where they're down in the fourth quarter, but they end up winning by a couple of scores. Other than that, you know, the highly hyped game against Tennessee, they won pretty easily, I think 27-14. to 14. They get into that game against Ohio State. Every champion has some huge hurdle to clear at some point. That was it. Down 11, fourth quarter, uh, Brock Bowers levitating to get that first down on the sideline and that, that photo that we saw, all those plays they made, the one-play 76-yard drive on the throw from Stetson Bennett to score to make it a four-point game. I think all those things, Dan, that was their hurdle to clear. I think they went easily tonight, and that's no diss at TCU. Georgia's just much better than TCU. TCU's been a great story. That is a, that's a, a, a group of winners because they know how to get it done late, and they don't quit on each other. But I, I, think, I think Georgia wins, and I think they win fairly comfortably. Uh, I'm going to take them to cover that. I think you said 12-and-a-half. It was 13 or 12-and-a-half last I checked. I think they win by two touchdowns yeah. plus tonight. Bulldogs big in this game. Um, um, no Will Levis. I'm seeing videos of Will Levis throw the ball. Uh, come on. with no Guys that move up in the draft throwing the ball from their knees. No Will Levis. No. Just turn on the tape, right? I mean, just turn on the tape and watch the guy play football. That's what always kills me about this draft talk is all I want to see is what, what do they play like? You know, what was their record? Uh, did they elevate offenses that they were on? Will Levis was, was dealt a pretty bad hand this year with his offensive coordinator going from Liam Cohen to Scarangelo, who got fired after one year. That was an old-school offense in a new-school age and they were woefully behind everyone else they played. So, you know, I understand that in terms of his production, being hurt by that. I also didn't see Will Levis do a lot to help his team win or or elevate them or make them any better. He throws into horrible spots. He had some really bad interceptions throughout his career. I'm with you, Dan. I do not see it with Will Levis. Here's the other name in the SEC that I'm going to tell you right now. Prepare yourself because this guy is going to win the Underwear Olympics. Anthony Richardson, 
who also oh, is a guy yeah. who is very much a work in progress, but he is physically gifted. He can run. He's got a cannon for an arm, and people are going to gush over Anthony Richardson. And there's going to even be talk. Just wait. Mark my word. Some NFL reporter is going to start speculating he's going to be the number one overall pick because of his huge physical upside. It's not going to happen, but people are going to start throwing that out there that Anthony Richardson is a once-in-a-lifetime you know, physical talent, and he's going to be the number one overall pick. Don't buy it. Don't buy the hype on Richardson. I think Richardson's ceiling is way higher than Will Levis. I think Will Levis's floor is probably higher than Anthony Richardson if someone takes a swing on either one of those guys. But Anthony Richardson, I'm calling it now, he is going to be a guy that's going to be overhyped coming into this draft. Now, I think he's a good third-round pick for someone if you want to try to develop a quarterback for a couple years. That could be really good for your franchise. He's not a first-round pick, but people are going to make him out to be a first-round pick. Yeah. Oh, I, the Underwear Olympics is absolutely perfect. I'm watching. I got my eye on <laughs> Will, sound weird. Will Levis <laughs> and Anthony Richardson. Who's moving up according to Matt Miller, NFL scout or whatever? My backside. All right, my friend, what do you got on the show today? We've got uh, Brad Gaines coming in studio. So Brad Gaines, for those that don't remember, uh, was involved in a play with Chucky Mullins. He was a Vanderbilt football player. Chucky Mullins of Ole Miss tackled him. This is back in the 80s, and he was paralyzed. It's one of the most memorable, heartbreaking plays in SEC history. Uh, there's been a movie made about it. But Brad Gaines, a local guy in Nashville, going to come in studio and talk about the T. Higgins side of the DeMar Hamlin uh, issue and what it's like to be a part of a play on the other side where you're feeling guilt, even though there's no reason to feel guilty about playing football. Uh, when you're the guy who made contact with someone who's got a catastrophic injury. So we're going to talk with him about that. I think Trey Wallace is going to join us from L.A. to preview the, uh, the, the national championship game. It's going to be a fun show, and we're going to react to all the craziness from the NFL weekend and probably start talking draft, Dan. Let's face it, the NFL draft talk is upon us right now. We've already started it. Might as well keep that draft hype going, and we're going to talk about who all we want to see in their underwear in Indianapolis at the uh, NFL Draft Combine. So that's what we got to look forward well, to today on 360. I was, I was in Nashville, and I, I don't want anybody to see me or you in our underwear. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, Chad. You'll never have to worry about that with me, Dan, and thank you. No, Always enjoy the show. Talk to you soon. I, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, you Indiana fans, uh, yeah, don't even try it. I'm, I got stock up, stock down. Uh, I wear my Indiana shirt with pride. Uh, <laughs> I got Indiana uh, Hoosier hysterics yelling at me, or not yelling at me, texting me during the show. Uh, what a mess. Anyway, uh, Tommy Lauren. Tommy, my man, my, no, no, no. She did something that I am watching the Twitter files of all of the different Elon Musk, he's releasing all these files. And our friend, Tommy Lauren, Tommy got censored or the White House wanted to censor her. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want to be in the Twitter files as a, what's the right word? A Twitter handle so freaking important that 
They want to censor me. That is the goal. So I can't wait to talk to Tommy when we come back. That's right. Emails reveal White House official asked Facebook to censor Tommy Lauren on COVID vaccines. But you're never going to read about this, certainly not here in the Indy Star. Uh, You're not going to read about any of it because they're on the wrong side of the aisle, Tommy is. We all are. So you won't read about any of this. You don't see it anywhere. Oh, it's a big yawn. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Uh, Let me try this again. Tommy Lauren is somebody that I have always admired. And this is going way back. And she's not that old. I go way back. I'm paying attention to what she said, her fearlessness. And I'm really, really proud to be on. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The same team with Tommy. And Tommy joins us now. Tommy, first, your husband's awesome. He was on our show, I don't know, a couple months ago. Second... You did something that I'm dying to do. I want my name to pop up in the Twitter files as being censored by the White House. Congratulations, Tommy. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, Dan, like I told you, if the Biden White House wants to keep me quiet, that means I'm doing something right and I'm speaking the truth. But the thing that really gets me about this, and for those that aren't familiar with this email chain from Biden's digital director, this one actually was to Facebook, asking why Facebook was not reducing voices like Tucker Carlson and and me. And if that's what reduction looks like, why are we still prominent on their platforms? And then, of course, Facebook rushed to make sure that they fixed the error and made sure that they did, in fact, reduce me and Tucker Carlson and others that were speaking truth about COVID and the vaccine. So, you know, we knew it was happening. We know it's still happening on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. But the validation is always nice to see in plain black and white. Uh, The guy was Rob Flattery. Um, Do you know him? He looks exactly like the kind of guy that would do exactly what he did, by the way. No, I I can't say, Dan, that him and I are buddies. You know, we don't hang out. (laughs) I don't know him. But uh, he was very concerned with a little tweet that I had that I posted to Facebook, which is why it was part of the Facebook discussion. And the funny thing is, I've been very critical of vaccines and masks and all of it really since the beginning. But the thing that really worried them is my tweet and my post saying that I personally will not get the vaccine. That is what they were so concerned about. Not me telling others not to get it. Not me saying that it doesn't work. Not me saying it's dangerous. Me just simply saying, I will not get this vaccine. I said that in April of 2021, and they did not want that to get out to the masses. That's for sure. Tommy, do you remember back, like, did you feel that your posts were being banned, shadow banned, were being, you know, a little lessened? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this has been going on 
really ever since the, the 2020 election and leading up to the election. If it wasn't COVID, it was that. And then, of course, you add both of those together. And it's obvious. And it's clear now because of Elon Musk and Twitter and the reach that I now have on Twitter because of Elon Musk. It's grown exponentially. But on Facebook, I mean, I have nearly 5 million followers on Facebook. But certainly, even now, I know that we're still being throttled because Facebook, Instagram, they do not have an Elon Musk. So what I want to see with this new House majority is I want to see them call to the table all of these Facebook executives because I want to get some Twitter files from them. I want some Facebook files because everything that Twitter did, they are still doing and probably 10 times worse. When, when, why do you feel, I, I think I know the answer, right? I mean, here's the email, you see it up here. There is very little, very, very little about this in the legacy media. I know why, it's the wrong side of the aisle, but I, 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 I'm a, still a little shocked that this hasn't made a bigger impact in the legacy media. It's made a big impact internally, but not in the legacy media. Well, no, because you're not going to implicate yourself. And when I say yourself, I mean the mainstream media. Right. I mean, they were right. complicit in this for the entire time. So they don't want they don't want to report this because they don't want anybody poking around their files either, because it's probably, like I said, 10 to 20 times worse than anything that Twitter or Facebook has done. We know that the, the game the mainstream media has played for, for decades now. So, of course, they're not going to report on it. They don't want anyone snooping around what they've been doing to censor and silence and craft the narrative. So it's not surprising to me whatsoever that they're not really covering any of this. Federal governments using, using these big tech companies to censor citizens seems to me to be a violation of the First Amendment. Is there any repercussion here? You know, I don't think so. And that's the first question that a lot of people were asking me, too, when my name popped up. Oh, you know, is there anything that you could do legally? And, and I actually, on my show on Outkick later today, I'm going to have Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch on to, to give me that very information that I wonder if there's anything that we can do. But as we know with these things, everything is so slippery, so slimy. I don't think anyone will be held accountable. But I will say this. What we need to have is we need to have primetime hearings from the House Oversight Committee with these executives at Facebook, at Twitter, at all these big tech companies. We need primetime hearings for these people to be asked tough questions and the American people need to watch it. It can't just be something that OutKick or Fox News does or any of the conservative outlets. This needs to be blasted far and wide and it needs to happen in Congress and soon. I don't want to go to if this was Trump. All right, so I'm not. However... Had this been, I don't know, a, 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 a Democratic leader that isn't so in pocket with everybody, would this kind of stuff put together in a big ball, would this be an impeachable offense? We know it would be if it was Trump. We understand this would be impeachable or it would be uh, up. For, but is all the stuff that we're seeing, does it rise to that level for this administration, regardless of Democrat or Republican? You know, I think it does, but Biden's been able to get away with it. And I think that if it ever came down to it, I think all of his people would take the fall for him. This digital director, this Rob Flattery would say, oh, it was just me. You know, Biden didn't want any of this to happen. And Biden probably didn't know what's happening. Let's be honest, if you know anything's happening. But I don't think anybody that has real power will be held responsible for any of this. I think there'll be smaller people along the way that would take the fall if it ever got to that. But let's just be honest. If this was Donald Trump saying, I want voices, I want, you know, the top Democrat or liberal voices on the Internet, 
I want them to be reduced and this is coming from my office. Yeah. You think he would be impeached a third time? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's where I, I, I just don't know how these folks can look themselves in the face and know. I mean, here's the other thing. All right. And I want I, I, I'm changing the subject a little bit here. But when we saw such outrage and maybe rightfully so, I don't know. That's up to you, anybody, about Skip Bayless's tweet. We saw such little outrage about Joe Biden talking about the death of an officer. Isn't it amazing what we, I don't know going to say groomed, what we are uh, conditioned to get outraged about in this country? It's amazing to me, Tommy. Yeah, it's the pylon. It's the mob. When you have the mob in your corner, you can go and you can cancel people. And so this whole thing with Skip and, and that, whether his tweet was insensitive or not, I mean, take it for what you will. That's, that's sports, that's pop culture. People can decide on the Internet. But the, the egregious activity that has come out of our president's mouth, my goodness, uh, beyond just flat out lying at every turn, him, his press secretary, his vice president, all of them, there is no outrage about that because in order to have outrage, the American people have to be aware of things. And the average American is not aware. The average American does think that on January 6th, Trump supporters killed police officers. They believe it. They'll always believe it. And they'll not be told anything different. That's part of the problem. Yeah, it's amazing. And we just, we, we focus on tweets and stuff. All right. Did you ever receive anything going back to your situation? Did you ever receive any notification from, I'm assuming not because nobody wants anything in writing. Did, did, did you ever receive anything like, hey, look, you're suspended or we're sent from Facebook when they after they decided to censor you? Well, so here's the thing. I have been suspended on Facebook a number of times and I have been since then. But the thing about the tweet that I had or the post that I had saying that I wouldn't personally take the vaccine they couldn't flag that as something that was suspendable because I'm just saying I'm not going to take a vaccine. However, other things that I have said about COVID, about masks, about vaccines, that has gotten me suspended on Twitter and suspended for days at a time. In fact, I had on my show on Outkick, I had a pilot on that was saying that he has co-pilots and friends in the industry who are suffering vaccine side effects in the cockpit. Facebook shut me down for three days for simply posting his testimony for that. So Facebook does it all the time. Instagram does it all the time. They still have the COVID banners. Every time you even mention anything that sounds like COVID or vaccine, they put a banner on it. So this is still continuing. Even knowing what we know now about the vaccine and its safety and its efficacy, they're still doing it. So somebody needs to be asked why this continues. All right, last, last thing. We got a photo op going on downtown or down in El Paso. Give me your thoughts on Biden. Why did he decide all of a sudden, hey, look, I got to go to El Paso. Where'd that come from? Well, I guess there's some good ice cream shops in El Paso because that's about the (laughs) length of what he saw. You know, it, it was a photo op. That's all it was. We know that. He just wants to say, I've been to the border because he keeps getting press. Oh, he hasn't been there. Well, he's going, he went, all right, he had his photo off. Uh, quite frankly, instead of standing there and meeting with Border Patrol because it was so disingenuous, he should have just gone and met with the Mexican cartel because they're funding each other. So that should have been the meeting that should have happened. It should have been an exchange of fruit baskets and niceties and hugs because the cartel is who President Biden is supporting, and we know this. 
So nothing is going to change at that border. Again, we have a slim House majority. That is the only saving grace that we may have. Oversight, oversight, oversight. I can't stress that enough. I was at Sixth and Peabody uh, last Monday, and I was kind of sitting in the corner, and people were coming up to you. People love you. There's all kind of stories. Your husband told me one of some crazy woman out of a balcony throwing eggs at you and your husband. But I... I don't think folks understand how beloved you are by normal people, normal people, normal. Well, <laughs> well you know, it's it's always hit and miss, but I will say that there are a lot, there's a lot more support than there is hatred, especially in a, in a place like Nashville. There's a lot of good people out there, but you know, I got to tell you, Dan, what frustrates me most is when I have these great people come up to me, they tell me, you know, you say things that, that we can't say or we're too afraid to say. And that frustrates me because I tell them every time, listen, right. you got to say it. If you got something you want to say, I, I appreciate that you feel like I'm your voice, but you got to be your voice, too, because it will empower you. I, I feel empowered every day. I get to say what I want, be what I want, and you do the same. But there are a lot of people out there that are living in a shell of themselves, and we got to fix that. we got to empower these people to be their own advocates. Boy, you are so right. I know you got to run. I really, it's the second time you've come on. Great stuff. Tell your husband hello and thank you, Tommy. Well, thank you, Dan. And uh, you got to have JP back on because he actually has a new job now that he hasn't even announced yet, but I'll just go ahead and say it. He, uh, you know, he played baseball for many years and he's done the broadcasting for quite a few years for the Marlins. But uh, this year, he is the new AAA bench coach for the Mets. So. Uh, I know that some of our bosses over at Outkick are Mets fans, so I guess now I'm getting into my Mets colors, and I'm very excited for him. <laughs> is that is 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 that Tidewater? Is that where it is? I can, it, Syracuse is where their AAA team is, so oh, he good. will be in good old Syracuse, New York, and and all over. I think he'll be near India a few times this uh, this season, so it's going to be exciting. We're on I'm the AAA go... circuit, and I'm excited to go and and yeah. see all of it. My wife's from Syracuse. Great spot. You'll love it. Go to Fagan's. Anyway, there you go. All right. Thanks, you got Tommy. It. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks, Tommy. Have a good one. She is awesome, man. She is fantastic. She, I love listening to her. She just makes sense. And she will tell you the way it needs to be. And that's it. And I'm telling you, I just sat there. I didn't say anything to her. You know, people were coming up. And people absolutely love her. They do. Um, we're going to tell you how to bet. Now, look. Um, we are going to tell you how to bet. We're going to tell you how to bet on the game tonight. There's a big game tonight. I don't know if you noticed, but we broke it down like no other. It is Georgia and TCU. Tommy Lauren, nice enough to join us. We got Jeff Rowe Records, baby. Jeffrey Clark joins us. My man, how are you? What do you got? What do you got? I'm great, man. This is my favorite day of the year. Um, I don't really get out that much to party, but every year my, one of my buddies throws a, a open bar banger at a uh, nearby sports bar. So I get after it. I love the college football playoff, um, and I'm excited to talk about the game with you, man. Talk to me. Who's going to win? Is 12 and a half too much? I think it is. It's starting to feel like a square bet, right? Everyone's riding with the Cinderella team, or it seems like the public is – riding with the Cinderella team. Um, there's rumors that sharp money is going to hit Georgia right before kickoff. So maybe wait if you're liking TCU until closer to kickoff and maybe you get a 14. But I'm going to roll with Sonny Dykes and, and Max Duggan in this spot here. 
the dog actually plays pretty well in these college football playoff finals. They've covered five of the eight uh, national championships recently. And to me, the biggest factor in this game is can TCU's offensive line hold up? Now, Georgia's defensive line is 94th in sack rate. So I think TCU is going to give Max Duggan some time, some time to throw the ball. And I think his arm talent and his ability as a pocket passer is going to uh, be able to make some big plays for TCU. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on this idea, uh, Dan. This this matchup kind of feels like one of these recent March Madness matchups where you have like an an experienced team versus a loaded national powerhouse. Don't you, as like a college basketball guy, kind of defer to the experienced team with with the players that are familiar with themselves? Well, there's a lot of different things. Uh, one of the things that I defer to in when you're really good, mm-hmm. like I always, this is a hundred years ago, but the <clears> last <throat> undefeated team in NCAA basketball is way back in 1976. Then there was one uh, UNLV later on, and the one in 1976 played a bunch of tough games. But every time they played a tough game, they beat the crap out of the team the next time. And it's always stuck in my head, Jeff, like, all right, Georgia had a heck of a tough game with Ohio State. That may be their wake-up. And I'm not sure you need a wake-up call. I don't know. But I've always thought, you know what, when you get exposed, you got to figure it out. That's one. The other way, though – There are certain teams that, what's the right way to put this? It's not not fairy dust, you know, sprinkled on the heads of TCU. When it got tough, Jeff, they punished Michigan. They ran the ball. They ran it down Michigan's throat. So I got to tell you, it's the reason I'm asking. I don't have a good sense of this. Like, you know, if Georgia wins by three touchdowns, I go, I should have known that. But I've been so impressed with TCU, Jeff. I don't know. I, I don't have real answers in this one. So I've been on TCU since the beginning of the season. They have actually the second biggest return in production from last year's team of any Power 5 school. Georgia ranks 96 nationally and 122nd on defense. Now, exposed might be a bit of a strong word, but – especially when you played Ohio State. But I think Georgia's defense got exposed a little bit last week, especially the secondary. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, um, crushed Georgia's secondary secondary before he went out with injury. Um, the other wide receiver, the other five-star guy, Igbuka, had eight catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown. And Quentin Johnson is another top flight first round talent that can that can make plays and 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 high point high point balls so i think him and max duggan are going to be able to have some success in this game and the one thing that that i am noticing that's a weakness for georgia it's ball security they're minus two in turnover differential this year tcu they they force takeaways they're plus nine in turnover differential so i think they're going to be able to move the ball and i'm going to take the points with, with tcu here 63 and a half is the over under. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, if I had to go which any which way, I, I like the offenses here. However, it is a big number. And I think like George, like I said about Georgia, they could end up turning the ball over a couple of times. So I would go to the under because we just saw these two teams play in crazy shootouts. And usually in football, you just bet against what you saw the last time. 
Um, but that being yeah. said, the over is cash in five of the last eight college football playoff um, national title games. And like the precedent that's been set, the trend that we've seen these games, is you got to ball out to win. Like the game, the, t- the other team usually isn't going to give it to you. You have to put up points. So I, I'm going to stay away from the total. But if anything, I would I would lean to the under all that being said. Stetson Bennett, 277 and a half yards passing. Max Duggins, 234. That's our 234 and a half yards passing. Give me the over-under, and then here's a couple others. Here you go. Yeah, I'm going to take Stetson Bennett over 277 and a half passing yards. Um, Georgia got from behind, uh, had to play from behind last week against Ohio State, and they hit eight 20-yard-plus pass plays versus Ohio State. We've seen Stetson Bennett kill it in big games. He had 398 last week against Ohio State, 340 against Bama in last year's SEC title game. And I think think plays are going to have to be made by both quarterbacks here, and we're going to get a quarterback battle. Also, TCU's pass defense is nothing to write home about. Georgia's offensive line is top five in pass protection. So they're going to give Stetson Bennett a lot of time. The other thing is the injury to Georgia's tight end, Darnell Washington, hurts their zone running scheme, Georgia's. And I think they're going to be forced to put more wide receivers on the field. And I also think TCU is going to commit more resources to stopping Georgia on the ground because if Georgia can run it, TCU has no chance here, and they know that as well. Max Duggan, you like the over-rushing yards. Me too. Yeah, man. He's going to have to pick up some slack for an injured Kendra Miller. I mean, he's a game-time decision. We've seen Max Duggan run a lot over the last two games. He had 110 yards against Kansas State in the, the conference title game, 57 against Michigan last week, three touchdowns in those two games. Um, and, and my NFL comp for Duggan is is Dan Jones. He's got like a B plus to A minus arm strength, but is like sneaky athletic. He doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he does, but he has long strides. And if he gets into space, can actually pull away from the defense. So he could go over this in one big chunk play. Or I think he's going to be doing some RPOs and 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 really kind of TCU's and have to pull out all the tricks. And since they're down a man in the running game, I think. Duggan's going to get some more looks there in the in the running game, so I'll go over. I I agree with that. I I, I think Duggan having to get out of the pocket. One thing Urban Meyer said uh, to us before the game Georgia Ohio State was that this defensive secondary is vulnerable, um, and the pass rush for Georgia, particularly on the edge, not great. Middle great. Now maybe he gets outside and gets some yards. I don't know. But I got to tell you, uh, I think Duggan over is a damn good bet. I do. I think that's a good one, uh, Jeff. What are, what are the, some of the bets that you have on your slip for the college football title game? I don't really you – know, I'm struggling a little bit. I was going to take Duggan rushing. I was, I'm going to take, um, and I, I don't know that I'm going to have to do this. If they get up, they may just run the ball. But I am going to take Bennett. Uh, I, I, I like Bennett over – um, 277. I like everything about Kenny McIntosh. Like, I like Kenny McIntosh a lot. I think, I think I'm going to take him over 66 and a half yards. It seems to me, and I have nothing, nothing, zero 
to base this on. But it seems to me that really good players show up in games like this for really good teams. And I think Kenny McIntosh is a damn good player. I love – if I were going to do this, and I'm going to do it actually, I would take McIntosh over 66, and I might even parlay it with um, uh, Duggan over 27. Now, you can't do that on some books, but hey, I, I, I think Kenny McIntosh is going to go for 90 to 100 yards today. Well, I'm sure you can do it on DraftKings. They have same game parlays and awesome yeah, promos yeah, yeah. that you can get at outkick.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on DraftKings, actually, and I didn't go to the same game parlay one. I will absolutely do that because I, I don't know. You know, I I, I, I just like, I like Kenny McIntosh. I think Brock Bauer is going to score a touchdown, but the juice is too high. Uh, I don't know, but that's what I'm looking at. Total points, I'm going to probably, probably take over Georgia just because it gets me to a good number. I'm going to take 40 and a half. I think they dropped 42, 44 in this game, and that gets me plus money too. Sounds like a lot, but we've seen we we've seen the national championship winner several times over over the the eight year history of this this game go over forty points. So I don't yes. hate that look at all. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, all right, so you got a sports bar you're gonna hang out. You're gonna hang out at. Uh, I, ladies and gentlemen, am going to. I don't even know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sit here. Uh, probably make a bunch of popcorn, uh, eat too much. And I love the fact that it's starting at 7.30. Damn, these 9.30 starts, I got to watch too much crap before them. 7.30 (laughs) Eastern time, 6.30 your time, we get going, big dog. 4.30 my time. I'm from from, uh, Long Beach, California is where I live, so it's in my backyard. Oh, Oh, even better. Even better get, by the time the game is over. Yes. I get an early night of sleep. I'll be up. I'll, I'll be ready for Dakich tomorrow. Is uh is that considered day drinking? Um, well, what I do will be considered day drinking, sure. <laughs> I might I'm start, I'm gonna start a little morning. bit before kickoff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because let's be honest, 4:30 means about two. Um you know, and what a day. It's a holiday, ladies and gentlemen. My man, I'll just, thank I'll, you for the time. Great stuff. is. Go ahead. I was going to make one more college fo- football playoff prediction. I will not be coming back from lunch. <laughs> I'm going okay, to start at lunch. <laughs> yes, sir. I, would, I got two meetings. Hell, I might start at lunch, too. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, Appreciate sir. you. At Jeff Rowe Records with a G, G-E-O-F-F-R-O-W Records. Ladies and gentlemen, I have not, I'm sorry, uh, I have not gotten to the chat. The chat is absolutely booming. Uh, I'm taking Georgia tonight. 60% of y'all are going to Georgia. Tomorrow, I'll go stock up, Dylan. We'll go stock up, stock down tomorrow. Got a lot of Indiana people are mad at me because I've been very critical of Indiana I got two words for you. Blow it out your backside. I don't want to hear it. Uh, Dan, I always root for Purdue except for playing I. You might change that. I hate what is happening in Bloomington. Tommy Lauren, 
Thank you. Jeff Rowe Records. Thank you. My man, Mike Griffin. Thank you. My other man, Chad. Thank you. Chad Withrow. Thank you. Hey, Kaylee, Kahaley, Haley. Thank you for getting Tommy on. Dylan and Ryan and Chuck. Uh, everybody, thank you all so much. Aaron, thanks for what you're doing. Cannot thank you all enough. If you helped on this show, know that I appreciate you. We had a monster day today. We had a monster day on YouTube. Thank you all for being on YouTube. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will break down the college football championship game tomorrow like no other. We'll be ranting. We'll be raving. And always remember, don't at me. See ya.